Hey guys, welcome back to the ATI Podcast. This is Josh, and to get us started today, I'm going to be talking about what we got coming up. We got my good friend Brady Kurt. Um, I've known Brady for, mm, I don't know, I want to say five or six, maybe seven years. And he's going to be our guest today for episode 13. So we welcome Brady of Brady's Jiu-Jitsu Club. So we're happy to have him. Brady is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner from the middle area. Just for a little backstory on Jiu-Jitsu to make stuff relevant for you guys today, Jiu-Jitsu historically dates back to the 700 ADs. Um, a written history of Jiu-Jitsu first began during the Nara period of 710 to 794, combining early forms of sumo and various Japanese martial arts which were used on the battlefield for close combat. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, or better known as BJJ, has origins that developed around the 1920s by the Gracie brothers, who now are known world famous after Carlos was taught traditional Kodokan Judo by traveling Japanese Judoko Mitsui Medea in 1917. BJJ focuses on the skill of taking an opponent to the ground, controlling one's opponent, gaining a dominant position, and using a number of techniques to force them into submission, you know, via chokeouts or joint locks. Brady has had eclectic and intriguing experience we wanted to share with our audience. Brady has also delved into the MMA competition world and achieved the purple belt designation under Hoist Gracie of the same famed Gracie family, Generations Removed, Jiu-Jitsu practice, and is the owner of a Jiu-Jitsu club in Fredericktown, Missouri, Brady's Jiu-Jitsu club. We're here today to talk about Mr. Brady. We got with us from Brady's Jiu-Jitsu club. How you doing, Brady? Doing good. How are you guys? Good. Doing fantastic. Man. Thanks so for doing the show, man. Yeah, yeah so no good problem. To see you. I've been missing you guys, not working with you guys anymore. So it's good to see yeah. you. Yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Shit. Josh and Brady. How long? I guess when I came back to Farmington the second time or the yeah, third cause time? Yeah, because I started in 2015. So yeah. I don't remember. That's about what time I started at Farmington, back at Farmington. So about seven years or so? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Josh put the bug in my ear about you and thought it'd be a good idea to have you on the show. I know that there's a lot of people in the area that just have kind of common interest in the sport itself, the practice itself. Uh, but there's also people that prob- might want to practice locally, you know, reach out to somebody locally to learn it as well. So in this instance, it ended up working out in, in both phases of the information we were trying to get on the show. So. Really appreciate you coming on. For sure, are, dude. are you originally from the area? The Middle area yeah, area yeah. So um, when I was a little kid, I was raised in Bonterre, 
And then my parents split up, and my mom got remarried. I moved to Farmington and graduated through Farmington. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, what was your graduation year? 2014. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you what mine yeah. was. I'm, I'm an 06 guy. So. Um, <laughs> I'm an 07 yeah. guy. So. so you're right behind me. So you guys have known each other for some amount of time. How long have you been practicing? So when my mom remarried to my stepdad, I met my stepdad's brother, which is Guy Helm. So I got introduced into martial arts because of him. I was about 12 or 13 when I met him and started off training Taekwondo and then kind of like lost interest in it and kind of switched more of my practice to BJJ. And so I was about 13 when I started. And then like through my teenage years, I kind of was like hit and miss on practice. I kind of like I had had a lot of trouble staying dedicated. Right. Well, so, I mean, that's yeah. normal in your adolescence. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You get so, all the other temptations. You yeah. Know, school girls. Yeah, girls. Right, and, right. Um, For sure. You know, I, I beat myself up about it all the time. But anyways, once I graduated high school, I had a lot better time at staying dedicated. And then um, that's whenever I started getting serious and recently just got my purple belt from Hoist himself. Yeah, so oh, wow, congratulations, congratulations. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. When did you originally become interested in BJJ specifically? Was there anything that you saw in the media, let's say a fighter at the time or anything like that beyond interest in it? I would, I, I don't know. There, There's a lot of cool fighters, but really it was just my uncle. Like, that's how I started martial arts. and uh, So it's, it's a family thing. So yeah. it's like very, that's cool. But, um, it, you know. yeah. but yeah, yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, good fighters like GSP and Anderson Silva. Like those sure. guys, those guys can fight and there's all kinds. I, I, I still watch a lot of those fights today as yeah, well. Yeah, are you still are you still watching like yeah. The, yeah. Like there's a there's a big pay-per-view tomorrow, uh UFC two seventy four. And it's crazy because Charles Overa, he's the uh champion and he was gonna fight Justin Gaethje and uh the champion missed weight by half a pound. Oh. So since he's the champion, he's considered to be the you know, the top athlete of that division. So right. since he missed weight by half a pound, they stripped him of his belt. Oh man. Yeah. So dude. yeah, that's crazy. But like, if you're not, if you're not the champion in the division, the uh, UFC gives you like a couple pound advantage, you know, okay. but if you're, if you're the champion, they're like, nah, sorry, bro. Right. Yeah, you're you held to a higher standard. <laughs> yeah. In that regard. Yeah. And that's what's all like so crazy. about. So like, story. even if, if, if he wins, like if the champion win, they're still going to fight. So if the the uh, if Charles wins tomorrow, he's just considered the number one contender instead of wow. Yeah, so it's it's uh it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's so many different aspects to the sport overall. You know what I mean? Mixed martial arts. People think two guys just get in a cage and beat the tar out of each other until one hits the ground, but there's right. like so much to it, dude. Yeah, and I would say like my first interest in MMA, BJJ, actually specifically was that because in the early UFC is like my dad watched and got on pay-per-view UFC one, two, and three. So, you know, I got to see, I was introduced to the Gracie family through that and pretty aware, always kind of kept tabs on them over the years. Yeah. There's actually, a, I'm really into pro wrestling. So Eva Torres, one of the wrestlers, she's married to a Gracie as well. I've just always kind of been fascinated by them, the history of their family. Yeah, and she's like, it's crazy because, you know, I grew up watching her, you know, wrestle and stuff when I was a kid. And it's crazy how she's like 
completely like switched her lifestyle to, you know, dedicating like all her time and everything to the Gracie family. So it's just, uh, it's real cool. Yeah. And what I really like about the stuff that she's involved with on social media is she does a lot, which that, that is the practice, but she does a lot of self-defense, particularly for women in particular scenarios. So like child abduction, for example, I saw a lot of their tutorials on what to do in those situations, but they do a very good job of simplifying it, breaking it down for you in a short amount of time as well. So, you know, that's something that you could seek out on social media if even to get an introduction to how effective the practice is, regardless male, female, height, weight, in yeah. a lot of scenarios. And um, jiu-jitsu originated as um, original art from Japanese. Right. It's a Japanese martial art. The Gracies learned it from a Japanese immigrant and what's known more as jiu-jitsu today. Right. You know, it was made for smaller people defending themselves against larger opponents. Right. And that's that's why you, you see in all the demos today. And so Hoist was the star fighter for the Gracie family. And it was supposed to be his older brother, Hickson. Right. But they decided to use his father decided, um, Elio Gracie, the grandmaster, he decided to use Hoist to show like that a weaker, you know, smaller opponent can still defend against these larger guys. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just crazy, the opponents that he had and all the fights that he went through. And I mean, it's obviously effective because, I mean, I think different special forces in different militaries across the world train in it. I mean, there's like green berets and close combat police train in it. I mean, it's it's obviously an effective tool. You know what I mean? Without question. Yeah. So the Gracie family, they, you know, they came to establish the Brazilian jiu-jitsu in particular. Right. And there's just a lot of branches, you know, they went on to generations and generations are involved in it as well. And not only is there the familial connection, but now they've brought those practices into North America specifically. So they have students and those students have students and so on and so on. So the the roots are very deep is my point. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Was kind of your first exposure to the BJJ aspect of stuff. Who did you gravitate towards? Uh, Let's say in, in, in the wrestle culture, we'll say, regardless of what promotion they were with. What do you mean, like who, like who inspired me? Yeah, like, would you okay. say kind of your spirit animal, if you will? When we first started training um, jujitsu, we was learning from um, Henner Gracie, which is he's the he's the cousin of a uh, Hoist or the nephew, sorry, and they run the Gracie University website, which is you know they're d- by far the uh, most popular as far as the um, the Gracies and their. Um, side of the art that they teach like they've got it's crazy like they've got like 300,000 like students or something like online all over the world yeah. in like 27 different countries and they have you know it's 100% like online curriculum right you know they give you these sets of moves that you got to drill and you got to go through them and right. you got to once you're done you send your video in and then they watch it and they critique it they critique it and a lot of people, I guess, I guess, gave them bad criticism for that. Um, like a lot of the other family members didn't agree with that. 
but it's definitely proven to be successful. And now I think they've changed it to where now you have to go to like a certified academy to like you send your video in and then to get your belt or whatever your certificate, your teaching certificate, you have to go to a certified center now. So I think they've changed that. But that's where we started learning from them. And my uncle sent his video in for his blue belt and got his blue belt from them. And then it was, I think, I think it was... Not long after that, we had the opportunity to uh, go down to Paducah, Kentucky and train at Academy Three Rivers down there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we met Hoyce and a couple of our other instructors, uh, Jared Jessup and Eli Knight, which Eli Knight is a black belt under Hoyce and he's coming to my school this summer to uh, teach some seminars. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's going to come down and help promote my school. But anyways, met Hoyce. You know, and then we had another opportunity like a couple months later to train with Hoist when we went down there and my uncle started to gain like a close connection with Hoist. And then one day he wanted to come out to our academy, which is Farm to Martial Arts, and teach a seminar. So he came out one year and taught a seminar. And then it was, you know, a couple months after that, he gave us the opportunity to join his network. So now we've been a part of his network. I guess it's been, gosh... It's been a while. I, I want to say five years or so, so wow. five or six years. Oh, so, yeah, man. and um, Farm to Martial Arts is the only Hoist Gracie Jiu-Jitsu 360 certified academy in the state of Missouri. Oh, wow. Oh, so I didn't yeah. know it's like that. the legit yeah. training accreditation. Yeah. Wow. yeah, because you have to go through a special teaching certificate program, and uh, Guy Helm is the only certified instructor through the Gracies in the state of Missouri, or at least through Hoist Gracie. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. I did yeah. not know that either. Yeah, so yep. that's that's pretty interesting when we you have these type of conversations, you understand the lineage of the practice and how directly still it's impacted even here locally at this practice yeah. as we're talking. And that place stays pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, we stay pretty busy. Like It's crazy because right before COVID hit, we was doing so good. And having a lot of kids, we had to split up the younger kids and the older kids because we was having such an awesome response. And, uh, you know, COVID hit and, you know, kind of, you know, did a lot of damage, really, you know, because there was that time there where we was all shut down. So right. he's doing all, only online classes and, you know, people just kind of lost interest in it sure. around in this area. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, COVID hit everything, man. I mean, it really did. It affected yeah. everything. Yeah, we're, we've are we been talking to all kinds of artists. Obviously, it's impacted all phases, martial arts, artists, businesses in general, mom and pops, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of places that, you know, had to close their doors. And, and that's super unfortunate, you know what I mean? Like, and unfortunately, there was big companies hopping in on those special loans that they were giving out mm-hmm. at the time. The mom and pops, that money wasn't going to them. Right. It was keeping the corpse afloat, like you said. Right. So. This is Barrett from the ATI Podcast. Each week, Josh and I discuss current events, pop culture, music, TV, movies, politics, sports. Nothing is out of bounds. You can also tune in to learn about rising artists, small businesses, whether it's music, graphic design, filmmaking, or even a brick-and-mortar mom-and-pop shop. We'll be spotlighting folks and their endeavors. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Anchor, 
or anywhere you enjoy your podcast. Just search ATI Podcast. We would like to thank you for your continued support. And as always, please stay safe out there. I have to ask you, but I think I already know the answer to this. You as a practitioner of jujitsu, what do you identify yourself occupant-wise? So would you call yourself a jujitero? No, I would just, you know, call myself an instructor. I teach, you know, the self-defense side mainly, you know, as honor to the uh, Gracie family and everything that they've done, you know, because I believe that the self-defense is the most important part. Yeah, right. right. Absolutely. That's another thing that I think that this can be much more attractive to a lot of folks, particularly people that are afraid of confrontation and have a view that this is violence because I, I don't find it to be. That's the intent here. Right. Is right. the, to use it for just self-defense. And that's what, um, you know, a lot of people think that self-defense and fighting are the same thing, but they're not. Right. Fighting is I'm coming up to you, I'm standing up to you like, hey, bro, like, let's yeah. go. It's aggression. Like, right. Yeah, like, right. come on, bro, let's fight. And self-defense is more like a last resort, like, hey, man, like, you're trying to defuse the situation, like, you know, yeah. like, you don't have to do this, you know, you're right. trying to calm them down, you're right. not trying to engage them. And that's our uh, rule of engagement, number one, avoid the fight at all costs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Avoid the fight, why not, right? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the implementation of a lot of chokes and holds is ultimately what you're trying to work toward to end whatever confrontation you have in this practice specifically. I know that there's a lot of basics of you got to start with the easy stuff, of course, but just tell us what, you know, starting a class with you looks like procedurally. Okay, so starting a class, we always start with just like some very basic warm-ups like dropping in base, break falling, do a couple like punching scenarios, and then some basic, you know, stuff from the ground like standing up in base. Um, we do a couple crunches and um, just kind of get our bodies moving, our bodies warmed up because it's important to not only, you know, it's important to stretch, but it's also important to do all these different movements to get all your joints, you know, ready and all lubricated before you start training because, you know, it can reduce oh, yeah. the risk well, just, of injury. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, just with any type of workout in general, you should have a, a, a warm-up practice, and that's exactly how you tear and pull right. MCLs, ACLs, you know, right. the whole major quads. And those leg and legs usually are, are, are an issue for folks too, specifically. And I know in jiu-jitsu you have to have, you know, kind of a combination of things athletically. You have to have good core strength, flexibility to be a, a very good practitioner is key. What are some other traits that you would say? Okay, so a lot of people a lot of people think that in order to start training that they need to be in shape. Because I get people, you know, they message me a lot of time, you know, they're like, oh, once I get in shape, I'm going to come in, I'm going to try out class. I said, that's the thing. I said, you don't need to be in shape. I said, you come to jujitsu to get into shape. Right. And I've got, you know, I've got plenty of students, um, adults that can testify that. Some students that come up to me and tell me that, you know, I've changed their life, which, you know, is awesome to me. You know, that, that makes me feel proud about myself. And that's, you know, that's why I do it. You know, I love teaching the art. I love, you know, inspiring other people and, you know, changing people's lives because, yeah. you know, they come in and, um, you know, maybe they're not real confident within themselves. So, you know, I, I'm there to try to help boost their self-confidence with teaching them 
these self-defense techniques. But you yourself, you work out quite a bit and stuff still. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still run a lot and stuff? Um, I don't, now I don't run a whole lot in the wintertime. I do most of my run in the summertime, so I get pretty lazy in the wintertime. Yeah, I think that's all of us, though. I think I put on like 30 pounds over this past winter, so. Yeah, believe it or not, I used to run cross country, (laughs) and so I used to like to run. Oh, uh, quite a bit. And even <laughs> working out with like weights and stuff, like I can do that all day long, obviously until I'm sore or whatever. And, and then that becomes difficult, of course. But like when it came to running, that was the thing that really always got my heart rate up. Even though I wear heart monitors, like you just don't get the same effect <laughs> right. that you do with that intense cardio. Yeah. Yeah. I think running good and, and, and running essentially is conditioning. You know, it's it's helping your cardio. It's stamina specifically. Too. So, yes, that turns into stamina, it turns into other things. You can go deeper into confrontations if you have to, giggity. if you've got good cardio. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> giggity goo. Giggity goo. Yeah, that's what she said, huh? <laughs> so, through the BJJ side of things, I know that there's a lot of, there's a, a wing of believing we're going to wear a gi, we're not going to wear a gi. I believe the Gracie family's very key on wearing gis. I know there's advantages and disadvantages of wearing a gi in the, fa- in yes. the event you were in combat no obviously i guess guess a gi for layman's terms like for somebody like me i guess that's basically like the the outfit like the The uniform uniform. at our school at the gracie at the hoist gracie school we all have one color uniform it's all you know all of our uniforms are white they got the hoist um, patch on them and the reason that it's important that everybody wears the same color gi is so that one person doesn't feel less, more less, like less important right. than the other. So if you everybody feels blue, everybody feels equal. Right. I got you. I so got that's you. that's one of the reasons that we use the traditional white gi, um, and um, it's more the ceremony of the practice, essentially. Right, and the gi is made just to keep our bacteria off of other people. That's yeah. the essential oh, purpose you. of the gi. Then we entie with grabs and stuff like that. They use the belt to, you know, say, you know, how, how far you are in your training, like how much you know. Right. And it's crazy. So back when Elio Gracie, when he was real little, now, if my guy, if you're listening to this, I'm going to try not to um, mess this up. So my uh, Gracie <laughs> history is not the best, but I'm going to try to um, say the best I can here. So Elio Gracie, is the grandmaster that you know transformed self-defense side in the BJJ side? Mm-hmm. He was when he was little, he was real sick. Like he had this. I don't. I don't know the name of the disease, but he had a real uh, strange disease. Like mm-hmm. if he would walk up a flight of stairs, he would he would like almost like pass out from being winded. Oh shit! And wow. his brother Carlos was a doctor, and he came up with this specific diet, which is known as uh, the Gracie diet. And they have a whole book on it and everything. It's pretty unique. If you ever get the chance, you ought to read it. But it's just like a certain combinations of like different foods that aren't supposed to go together. That And it, it's crazy like how they, you know, do- dove into all that. Right. And uh, it changed uh, Alio's life to where, you know, he was able to, you know, he could, you know, walk up a flight of stairs. Yeah, and, function normally. Yeah. And, you know, he went off on the stage and, you know was proven to the world like Hoist did that smaller opponents can, you know, defeat larger opponents. Like he was still pretty active even to his late years as well. Yeah. You know, in the Hickson choke documentary, he's in there. You know, Hickson's got pretty 
legit credentials himself. I think yeah, he fought a lot in Japan yeah, he, in the early nineties. He was uh, considered like you know the, the badass of yeah, side, the, yeah the badass of the because he had to be yeah um, because he did do those where MMA essentially started to get its notoriety and fame was in Japan as well, and they were doing things like pancrase and that sort of stuff like. I think on the documentary they mentioned like Ken Shamrock, who was a big fighter over there in UFC as well. He made like two hundred fifty thousand dollars just off of two fights in Japan specifically. So, and you got to think of the time of that too. And I know a lot of the reason he was doing what he was doing too was the fact that he was getting funds for his family to expand their enterprise as well. And then that's kind of the beginning in that documentary too of them coming to America and kind of some of the early inceptions of that shows him doing press junkets and stuff for his fights in Japan. So it's kind of interesting to look at the history of it and just know that there's more than one Gracie out there that's right, got right, some yeah. notoriety. Yeah. So like, or when, um, Elio was a teenager, he was watching his brother, you know, teach classes and everything. Like he would show up and watch his brother. Like he didn't uh, speak very good English. And one day his brother was running late to class so Elio stepped up and was teaching the class. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was a private lesson. And, um, you know, his brother showed up and he apologized to his student, like, hey, you know, I'm sorry I'm late. I had this going on. And uh, he said, no worries, but I would rather from now on learn from your brother, which yeah. is Elio. And right. then, um, then, you know, that's what, like, inspired, like, him to, like, be a teacher. And, you know, he started teaching all the classes. And So we touched on it a little bit earlier, too. We mentioned the belts being the difference between folks inside of a club, in your example. Talk about the belt ranking system, because I know it's a little bit different than some other martial arts that people are familiar with. I've never really understood the ranking anyway. Because I think that where we get the misconception with that is people think like traditional, generic, corporate karate belts they just think white solid black solid white <laughs> as silly you, as that is <clears throat> what they saw on power rangers i was gonna say 90s. yeah or like a karate kid or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah you know stuff like that surf ninjas right yeah. you right, know right, so right. people probably have a cartoonish perspective of what belts are in martial arts but i know in uh, bjj specifically it's a little bit different yeah so there's five belts in the adult age so there's white then after that you go to blue then purple, then brown, then black. And then, you know, years later, like once you have, I think it's like 60 plus years, you can get like uh, what is known as your red belt, which I believe Hickson has. 60? Yeah, 60. That's 60 crazy. Years, yeah, it's like crazy. <laughs> so some of the, the ranking as well has to do with age and practice, if you A- will. Yeah, when, you know, Alio was teaching and he was an instructor, the instructors didn't wear black belts. They wore like a deep coral belt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they was known to be like the instructors, like, you know, they was the ones in charge. I didn't wear black belt was is more like a recent thing. So that's and um, if you ever notice, whenever you see Hoyson pictures now, he doesn't wear a black belt. He wears a deep coral belt like his father used to, to yeah. pay tribute to his father. Right. That's how the belt system used to be back then. I don't know if they, you know, if they still had, you know, the blue, the purple, brown, and black. I don't know how that was back then. I would mm-hmm. assume so. <laughs> it, it it grew from there, if you will. Yeah. Now, jumping back to the G, is it G? Is that how you say G? it? G. Yeah. G. Let me redneck it G. for you. <laughs> got one of them there G's. Let me get G's. one of them there G's and put it on. Now, is that, like, when, like, say, if you're in mixed martial arts and you're in competition, now, is that part 
is the uniform allowed to be manipulated in in competition? Yes. Yeah, so when you compete, you can do. There's two different brackets you can do. You can do gi and you can do or no gi. And I think it's important to do both because right. there's advantages and disadvantages right, to both. Right. You know, you can use the yeah. I mean, you can use the gis to you know choke each other and right. You know, grab them and use use that to your yeah, advantage. and the belts so, right. Like so, the belts, the belts are part yeah, of the yeah. yeah. That's how they uh, break you up into brackets is by your uh, belt. And some even go like so. There's there's four stripes on your bar. Some tournaments, depending on their popularity, I guess, will mm-hmm. even break you down like even stripes or the... Oh, like so the stripes on your belts? Yeah. So I like you it. could only go against, you know, like one stripe blue belts or two stripe blue belts, whatever. And is that how you progress? Like, is it like one, you earn yeah. one stripe, two stripe, three stripe, and then you progress to yeah, the next so, belt? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So you got to get four stripes on your belt. Once you get four stripes, then you go I gotcha. to your next belt. Where did you get your start in the practice specifically? You know, who was your first instructor? What did your what did your path to becoming a purple belt look like? I started training with my uncle. We kind of started learning from the Gracies and then he ended up getting his blue belt and became a a certified instructor through the Gracies. From then, I mean, he's just kind of been my instructor. He's been my coach, a couple MMA camps as well. Been, you know, big helped me and, you know, inspired me to believe in myself a lot and always keep fighting. So, that's awesome though. That's yeah. support for sure. Yeah. Are you still training with family? With your yeah, uncle yeah, yeah. He's he's getting old. He's getting old. But, uh, he's <laughs> he's, all he's always name. he's always injured anymore. Like he's got <laughs> like he broke his broke his hand like six or eight weeks ago, and he's still oh, not wow. healed. <laughs> Dang man. And uh, positive yeah. vibes, man. Get better. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's no crazy. Doubt. He was my instructor, and later down the years, once we got. To Noah Hoist and you know the organization that he's in, we met one of Hoist's black belts, Jared Jessup, which is uh, he lives in Benton, Illinois. He runs okay. um, IQ Athletics there, or IQ Jiu Jitsu. I got my blue belt from Jared, and Jared's a real cool guy. Like the way the way he can talk about some things. Like if you ever get the chance, go on Facebook and look up IQ Jiu Jitsu. And just scroll through his page, like he's always posting videos, like almost every day, like just diving into jujitsu or you know the lifestyle aspect. Or the other day he posted, you know, one about weight distribution and how it's important in jujitsu and stuff like that. So, so he's just um, like fully involved. Yeah, he's fully involved. And whenever, whenever Jared was younger, every summer he used to go out and spend the summer and live with the Gracies. Out in oh, California. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So when he was growing up, he spent a lot of time with the Gracies and, you know, he's real close with Hoyce and, you know, he's part of the organization too. So Jared's a real cool guy. He just lives two hours from here. So, you know, I always try to get the chance to go over there and train with him and learn from him still to this day. Yeah. So you mentioned the connection through Hoyce through these different ways and folks and means. And I know he still comes down and does some seminars with you guys, right? Yeah, like yeah. Jared, uh, Jared just came down. I guess that was back in April. He came down, and uh, you know, Jared's cool because he reaches out to me and uh, you know helps me with any kind of you know business questions I have. Because whenever he started teaching, he would you know when he was a kid and younger, he was just practicing the art. And then once he became a purple belt, that's when he decided he was like he was telling me like he had a full like you know, awesome job. And, you know, they was going to offer the, him this promotion and, you know, he was going to make a lot of money and, you know, he turned it down. It's like, Hey, like 
I'm going to yeah. go teach martial arts. And a lot of people... Hell yeah, if you can follow yeah. your passion, why not? Yeah, you so know it was crazy. Mean? Like, he, yeah. you know, he said, you know, they was going to give him a company car and everything, and he turned it down. It's like, I'm going to go awesome. teach martial arts. And a lot of people laughed at him, and, you know, now he's right making a living doing it. So. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, too. Sometimes if you follow your dreams, you're not going to give up on your yeah. dreams. And, and it, it is hard to walk away from guarantees like that in life. Very courageous for... A, doing so and yeah very inspiring without a question yeah so like you know you know he inspires me and i tried every day with you know my instructing abilities and stuff like that so i want to that's another thing i wanted to talk to you about was transitioning from student to an instructor what did that look like for you um oh, and, man. and how was it becoming the rookie instructor yeah the greenhorn Man, so i went through this stage a couple years ago this is uh when i decided I wanted to transition into MMA. That's long story short, that's that's how I transitioned into being an instructor. You know, once I got out of high school, I started spending a lot of time training. I was still watching, you know, UFC fights and stuff like that. And for for some reason I I wanted to I wanted to test my martial arts. I wanted to, you know, you know, kind of like how the Gracies did. Like I wanted to right. see how successful my jiu-jitsu was. That's whenever I took on my first MMA fight. That was that was a crazy time. That was a crazy time. Uh, <laughs> when I took my first fight, like where was your first fight at? Um, that was in Sullivan at the Eagles down there. Okay. I don't know. I don't I know exactly the name of the company that put on that fight. I'm trying to think. Gosh, man, that was a good fight, though. I remember oh, did you watching go to that. It? No, I watched it. Oh, okay. Didn't you? Didn't they have it on Twitch? If I'm not mistaken, um, I don't know if that one was on Twitch. Oh. I think that one was just on Facebook. Maybe I see. Oh, we had a, fr- a friend that went and watched you fight, and they recorded it and posted okay. it on Facebook. Yeah, that's so how I seen that, fight. that so they kind of they kind of screwed me over in that fight. Anyways, I shouldn't have got myself in that situation, but I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, you know, test myself, and I went in there not real. I mean, I knew how to. Um, defend myself, you know, the best I could. Sure. And I didn't really dive a whole lot of um, into the standing up, like, you know, right. fist fighting right, right. aspect. You know, I know how to throw a punch and, um, you know, we've drilled, you know, certain techniques over the years. And then I did some Taekwondo, but I never looked, you know, more like the Muay Thai side or anything like that. Right. So I wasn't right. very technical with my stand up. Anyways, I was. Me and this guy, we were supposed to, we were supposed to fight. It was one thirty-five. Is what they told me. Okay. Well, we get to the fight, and they're like, "Oh no, you're fighting at one forty-five. So I show up to the weigh-ins, weighing yeah. the weight that I am. Ten under. This other guy, he shows up, you know, weighing, you know, the weight he's supposed to wear. So like I'm, right at yeah, right so I'm like screwing myself over already. Damn. Yeah, it was oh cage championships. That's, That's right. the name of That's the first the promotion. Yeah. yeah, but um, they went out of they went out of business. So it's crazy. So like MMA has like really like blown up here like in the last five years in the state of Missouri. Right. So like now like the um, state commission like all state athletics you know run all the MMA promotions and all that right, now. Right. Like you have to pay a certain amount of money to the state to run these. Right. And so it put like you know like the smaller like mom and pop MMA promotions out of business the because Saturday yeah because right. they couldn't afford to pay you know the the five and yeah the licensing probably and, yeah, and all that. Up. very similar with the music scene too you know what I mean yeah for sure absolutely but 
So, yeah, so you got into your fights and then... Um, yeah, so um, that was a crazy fight anyways. That guy was a lot bigger than me and ended up choking him out in the second round with triangle choke. So that was crazy. And then, you know, I took some time off, ended up fighting again for a bigger MMA promotion, NFA. Now um, that one you fought like a gold boxing <laughs> It's like Missouri State champion or something um, like that, right? So I fought... Wow. I fought Hugh in that fight, which uh, we ended up winning fight of the year with that. So that's uh, that was a pretty crazy fight back and forth. Ended up losing to decision on that fight. And then after that, I took my most recent MMA fight. I guess that was... That's the one I'm thinking of. That think. was... When was that? 20, 2020? No, 2019. Yeah, I think it was the year before the pandemic, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, because I had my weigh-ins on Valentine's Day. Shoot, I don't even know. Two or three years ago, probably. <laughs> yeah. <Right? laughs> Somewhere like in that ballpark. But yeah, I think the last guy you fought, if I remember right, I was looking up his stuff, and he's like a... That dude had a reach advantage on me. <laughs> and it's very good with his boxing skills. But, um, you know, we, we fought all three rounds, and, you know, ended up losing to decision on that one. You know, after that, you know, and, you know, I got to thinking, too, like, you know, I got my kids now and, you know, they're growing up and mm. I'd rather, I guess, like not get beat up on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, a little um, bit more longevity. Yeah. And, and the um, business aspect of probably yeah, teaching too. Yeah, and teaching, you know, and like I said, I like inspiring others and being there for others and helping them out. Now exclusively on YouTube, the Vulgar Display of Podcasts is a show about metal by Metalheads. The Vulgar Display of Podcast does not discriminate. We share a love for any and all kinds of metal. Please do us a favor and like, subscribe, turn on notifications, and share our videos. We appreciate your help and support. For more information and content, check out thewellnessinvestors.com and the Vulgar Display of Podcast. I know that your club is in Fredericktown specifically. Tell me how you got to start in the club in Fredericktown specifically. Yeah, so um, shout out to Randy Strong and Kelly Strong. Um, they was the ones that um, presented me with this opportunity. But anyways, my gym is located in downtown Fredericktown, right off uh, Main Street. So we are right next door to Pizza Hut, mm -hmm. and we're inside of like a uh, lifting gym. Okay. And they have like a vacant upstairs. And okay. we've got uh, some mats in there. And they was teaching Taekwondo in there on Mondays and Wednesdays. And some of the students in there was, you know, kept asking for someone to, you know, come and teach jujitsu. Mm. And, you know, they was asking for years. You know, this was like two or three years. And then, you know, it was, you know, not long after my, my last fight, asking for someone to come down and teach jujitsu. So I started, I, you know, coming down and you know, a couple of days a week and helping, you know, teach some of their students, you know, jujitsu and stuff, mm -hmm. their Taekwondo students. Mm -hmm. Then it kind of, you know, it just blew up from there. And now, you know, running, you know, two classes a week, hopefully more in the future. And, you know, it's just kind of grown from there. How many so students do you have? With martial arts, you have like kind of like this flow throughout the year. So mm -hmm. summertime, classes die down. You know, a lot of people do a lot of traveling yeah. and, you know, stuff like that, playing baseball, going swimming. Mm -hmm. And uh, school, st school starts back up, 
schools blow back up. Right, right, right. Um, so it just fluctuates. I got like, right now I, I have 12 kids and seven adults. Seven adults, yeah. So now, are you doing all those by yourself, or yeah, yeah, yeah? So I teach all the classes by myself, and there for a while it was getting, it was getting pretty crazy, and I ended up bringing one of our blue belts in to help start teach teaching classes with me. Uh, his name's Mario, and uh, he's from uh, Venezuela. Okay. And uh, so he doesn't, you know, he can speak English, but he's not the best at it. And then a couple months ago, he ended up joining the military, National Guard. So he went off to basic. He's planning to come back in August and, you know, help me continue teaching again. So, you know, it's just cool. But yeah. it's been it's been rough without him. I was so, going to say that's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it just um, you got to learn. You got to learn how to spend um, an equal amount of time with everybody. Do you have students that are more experienced than others? Uh, yeah, so uh, I have my uh, first colored belt. He's a orange-white belt. His name's Rylan. So he's been training with me pretty much ever since I've been there, so about almost a year and a half. Okay. And uh, he just recently got his, that's, you know, that was my first colored belt, you know, so you know, cool. that, that's pretty cool, you know. What does a class length look like? So class length, an hour long, that's with class. And um, at the end of class, we do, um, we have matches and do some sparring. And then the adult class is an hour long. And then after the adult class, we typically do, you know, 30, 45 minutes of uh, live sparring with okay. the adults. So we spend a little bit, little bit more time um, diving into detail and um, the rolling aspect of the art because it's, it's important to share your time with the with the training aspect and with the rolling aspect because right. the more you roll, the more it's going to become a natural reaction whenever you right. need to remember, you know, those moves and those positions. Right. Yeah, like a muscle memory type yeah, situation. Yeah, more like a muscle memory so, you know, you don't freeze up. And in, in the role, a part of the practice is not only just an evasion or evading certain moves, but it's also to set you up into another move. So, yeah, you like, should. for example... An arm bar or something of that. Yeah, you ilk. should always you should always try to stay you know one step ahead of uh, your partner. That's what I try to tell my students. You always want to be try to thinking be thinking of <clears throat> the next move that's mm -hmm. going to be available because sometimes you know you may go for something and maybe they block it or you can't get it. So right. what's next? Right. What's right. setting me up here that I can go for something else? It really, it's like a chess game. Yeah, it's like a chess game. It's you know back and forth and. Um, some, I think that's another appeal to the sport, right. though, too. The, the mental battle of it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's more of a chess and, game. It's yeah, more of a thinking man's You know, it's a, it's a constant, you know, constant battle, you know, within yourself, always trying to, you know, find ways to improve yourself and improve your game, you know, and it's fun. You know, it's like, you know, trying to piece a puzzle together. And, uh, you know, that's, I don't know, it's, I, I've just really enjoyed my, uh, shoot, I guess I've been practicing almost 10 years consistently, so about 18. Yeah, so, you know, it's mm -hmm. been a real fun, constant drive, and, you know, I look forward to continuing and hoping one day get my black belt from the Gracie family. Yeah, like, that would be, be awesome. Man. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy, and it's pretty crazy to think that here soon that, you know, my instructor guy will be going off for his black belt test one day, and it's crazy because, you know, I'm excited for him. Heck <laughs> yeah, man. You put on that work. Yeah. And... He's super nervous about it because, you know, when COVID came around, it really um, kicked him in the butt. And now he has a COPD. So he has, oh, yeah, so he has a real, 
a lot of trouble breathing now, and uh, you know, I feel bad for him sometimes. But you know, you just got to do what you can do, and right. Uh, so we kind of touched on this a little bit too. What a typical class looks like. You touched on the warm up aspect of it. Oh yeah. So um, and then after that, we yeah, we get kind of sidetracked here, huh? Oh, it's <laughs> all right. <laughs> we we pull it back in. <laughs> after the warm up, we I like to spend ten minutes of review. So okay. we spend those 10 minutes of reviewing any of our self-defense techniques that we go over, or, you know, maybe you want to, you know, ask me a question about something or see a new move. And uh, so I walk around and help everybody out, make sure everybody's doing good and That's cool. stuff like make that. Make yourself available. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's and cool. you touched on this too earlier. Some of the common misconceptions, like somebody thinks they need to be in weight. What are some other misconceptions that you deal with as an instructor with new enrollees? The hardest thing to do is to open the door, walk through there, and get on the mat. It's right. the hardest. That's the hardest thing. Once you get out there and you're having fun, and I just recently talked to one of my students um, about this the other day. You know, I was telling him, I said the hardest thing for people to do is walk in through that door and get on the mat. He's like, "Yeah, you're about right." Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's finding, it's finding. That's what I'm trying to figure out as a young instructor is. What keeps people from wanting to better themselves and better their lifestyle and training jujitsu? So I'm trying to find like what motivates people to do that and would want to do that Uh, because sometimes it just blows my mind that more people aren't jumping on the opportunity because we're we're right inside a lifting gym. None of those guys downstairs ever take the chance to come upstairs, and it's just it's just crazy. You know, people, you know, sometimes, you know, they think that they need to be flexible, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, flexibility is a good thing to have. Yeah, but it's not, yeah, you'll develop it too. And that's why it's important to stretch and hoist is, gosh, hoist is in what, his 60s now? I think so. You know, he's, he's, he's in his 60s. He can still do the full splits. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. (laughs) I'm in my 30s and I still can't do the splits. (laughs) No. No, not at all, man. Looking at the wrong cat over here for sure. Getting back to your practice as well, your club. Can you talk about rates? What does the cost look? Do you got any specials going on right now for new enrollments? Yeah, so right now I'm doing a $120 sign-up enrollment, so that takes care of your... Because we, I just got some uh, of my own jujitsu club geese. Okay. I don't think I've posted them on Facebook, but yeah. Another finally, exclusive here. Yeah. I, <laughs> I got a, yeah, I got a uh, hookup on those, and um, the company... You know, sews the patches on my gi, and they mail them to me, and uh, we have those. And uh, I mean, yeah, so that's, the gi's included on the yeah, intuition. the gi's included. You know, free gi, free belt. You know, you get all those things, and you get to train for a full month. So okay, so um, it's and hundred twenty yeah. startup, and, and then you get the month. This summer, we're actually changing. I'm going to kind of do like an experiment. We're going to do um, more like street style self defense. So the summer is okay. going to be all nogi. Okay. So we're going to look, we're going to dive more into, you know, what if someone's aggressive? What yeah. if someone's throwing punches at yes. you? And stuff like that. So it's going to be a fun experiment. I hope everybody has fun with it. If it is, maybe we'll continue it throughout the years. You made the but... statement earlier. You said you think it's important to practice with gi and without gi. Mm-hmm. You're putting it into practice too. And I know that that's like a huge, you know, talking point sometimes, you yeah. know, at your practice, like, 
folks who wear geese traditionally might think less of who don't and vice versa. Yeah, because, you know, what if you're on the street in the summertime? You're not going to be wearing a jacket or nothing like that. You're going to be right. wearing a T-shirt and a pair of shorts. Right, right. So no gi is more, you know... Hell, it may be 3 right. o'clock in the morning. You need your wife <laughs> yeah. being in a pair of underwear. You yeah. don't know what you're going to have that's, to do. That's typically my attire uh, that time, for sure. As, as a part of the rates, you get the gi, as he mentioned. It covers your tuition as well, so... It, that is to consider, especially when you're starting out. Do rates stay the same month yeah, to rate, month? Yeah, rate, rates stay the same month to month. And okay. we have classes every Tuesday and Thursday. And hopefully soon we're going to start having classes on Sundays. So we're just going to okay. do like an open mat where, you know, um, anybody can come in and roll around and just have fun for an hour or so. Yeah, sweet. Okay, that's yeah, cool. Just to, you know, help out on their learning. So. so you've got the classes two days a week, about an hour long of a session. That's that rate also you can break it down and think of it in that sense monetarily yeah you know yeah, and it's what good you're getting too. for your for your buck there too you it's know, a lot of training yeah we like to you know it's all about trying to help each other out you know if our partners having trouble with something we should try to help them out or show them you know a detail if they're missing out on something and even so at the end of class i like to sit everybody in a circle i like to you know, just pick their brains on what they was feeling throughout class on the moves we was going over. Right. Um, just to, you know, because everybody's different. Everybody has different reactions to things. So I always like to, you know, pick their brain and see what they think about things or, you know, if they had trouble with something, you know, I think it's good to, you know, just spend that time, you know, trying to help better them and, you know, you know, better me as an instructor. It's a relationship too. Whenever you're teaching people stuff, obviously they have to come into a safe space and and feel that they're not only welcome, but um, you know, perhaps it's particularly in something like this, you know, sometimes ego comes into play. So you know, uh, know that they're in a safe space, if you will. Yeah. Well, but I think that's another attraction to the sport. There's a humility to it, to the practice. Uh, again, focusing on the self defense side of things. And, and when you're teaching something like that, you want people to be able to trust <clears throat> that they can come talk to you, you know what I mean, or feel comfortable with you, like you said. So yeah. that's, a, that's cool that you do that, that you get input from your students and stuff. Now, do you guys do any of, I know that there's competitive PJJ tournaments that take place regionally, nationally, and internationally, so on and so forth. Do you have yourself, any of your students compete in any competitions that you can talk um, about? I used to do a lot of competing. Um, I haven't really done a whole lot here recently. The only thing I've done, I did a combat jiu-jitsu tournament. So I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, yep. but um, Eddie Bravo yep. is... 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. He's kind of the one that came up with so... Uh, combat jiu-jitsu is open hand palm strikes mm -hmm. so you can use those in your matches you know right, right to the face anything i think it's good to look at it like that because you know when someone's throwing punches at you it changes the way you have to look at things right because you have to look at things differently you have to learn you know more about their posture and you know how you can control them because it's easy to get away and use right. those hands Right. So I did a combat jiu-jitsu tournament. That was very interesting. I did that, uh, when was that? Was that last year, I guess? Yeah, so. I think we had some friends that competed in that too, didn't we? Uh, we may have had some friends that competed in I that. I think you yeah. may know Jason. Jason Skiles, by chance? Jason Skiles. And Garrett Guess. Yeah. Garrett no, Guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if you've seen them, you'd probably be familiar. I think yeah. Jason... Jason's up in the Illinois area, and, and yeah. Garrett's out in California now, but they've been 
for a few years. That's kind of been their right. geographic situation, so they might have just missed windows with each other. Right, right. But I want to uh, say that they uh, they competed in that same thing as you, though. I want to say. Don't yeah. hold me to that. I could be wrong. Yeah, they, I know that they both com- compete in a lot of competitions. And Andrew Reed, I don't know if you remember him. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Julie Shrum. Uh, yeah, he he competes a lot as well. I went to school with oh, him. Oh, cool. I'm glad he's still doing Speaking it. Speaking of people I went to school with, too, well, Alex White and I went to school with him. He's always a nice guy in school. Couldn't couldn't meet a nicer guy. But he got some, as far as local boys, got some pretty big notoriety UFC fights and, yeah. and so on and so forth. And and did had a pretty good showings as well. Yeah, and you know it's crazy. Like, um, like I said, MMA has like really like blown up here in the Midwest in the uh, most recent years. Like, there's there's a couple different fighters from the St. Louis region that are in the UFC. Yeah, so there's fights almost every weekend on UFC, and uh, you know they have their fight nights, and once a month they have their big pay per views. Last weekend was a UFC fight night, and the co main event was. Jake Collier, which he's a local from Cuba, and he's big boy. He's heavyweight. Yeah. And Andre Olansky, I think, was who he fought, which was um, he was the old heavyweight champ years ago right. when he was younger. Right. Well, anyways, um, it was it was kind of aggravating because, you know, Jake, you know, won the whole fight, uh, you know, got a couple takedowns, controlled him against the cage the whole time. And then, you know, they fought all three rounds, and it's crazy because the judges gave the ex-champ the decision, you know, probably because who he, he was, was, who he, who he was, you know, right. so it's kind of, a, uh, you and know, BS. Fun. Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, lots of local guys that are, you know, getting the opportunity around the Midwest, so it's, it's real cool. All right, we all know the struggle. You ask your friend to watch a movie, they won't watch it. For whatever reason, it's ridiculous, it's an amazing movie, they're going to love it, but they just won't watch it. My name's Daniel King. I host a podcast called It's Just Two Movies. Every week we try to pick one good movie and then another movie that's got something in common with it that's so bad it's good. Sometimes we hit the mark, sometimes the bad movie is just bad. Uh, But we'll sort through them all for you and we'll have some drinks and laughs along the way. We also pepper in a little improv comedy just because we have fun doing it. Also, no shortage of dick and fart jokes here, so if that's not your crowd, maybe it wasn't meant to be. Come check us out anywhere podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Music, Rapsory, iTunes, you know where you know the places. Or check us out on social networks at It's Just Two Movies. All right, cheers. What was your MMA record, if you don't mind me asking? Um, so I won my first fight, and I lost my next two to decision. And I haven't been back, and, you know, all my buddies tell me all the time, like, you got to go back and make a positive you, record. I know that you said that you kind of decided it was past you, but do you ever get the desire you know, to strike um, over you to do it again? You no, know, honestly, uh, the desire never goes away. Like, yeah. I... You know, that I, competitive yeah, part I, of it. I tell my girlfriend all the time that I'm going to get back out there and fight in the cage. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so it's fun. I enjoy it. It's just, yeah, it requires a lot of work. Sure. And you have to spend, I just don't think that I would have the time to fully dedicate myself to a fight camp. I would, I would. I would be pretty tired because, you yeah. know, working full time. Right. And then I run my school two days a week, and then I help Farmington Martial Arts till they, uh, teach their jiu-jitsu program, which is on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Oh, man, five, so, five minutes yeah, a week. So Monday through Friday, I'm, you know, teaching full time and uh, pretty wow. much working full time and then trying to raise three kids and yeah. 
soon to be a fourth. So, oh, congrats, um, Eddie! Yeah, so it's just uh, welcome crazy. to the club. <laughs> yeah. I just had my third, and I, I think we're done there. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta have the man. fourth. You're a brave man. <laughs> <laughs> See if you have four. I hear that four is easier than three because if you have four, then they pair up together and. You yeah, know. that's that's the argument <laughs> I keep hearing. Yeah, we're good. My wife and I. So uh, I don't know. Mean you haven't got to again. speak about that really. Uh, what what is? What are you having? What's your newest one? Oh uh, boy. Oh baby. Very cool. Very cool, Brady. Congrats. Um, your other three kids. Do any of them practice yet? Yeah. So Raylan just turned six, and she started practicing when she was four. And she just got um, her white yellow belt from Jared um, when he was down back in May. So, okay, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Very you got cool. your kids involved in it and stuff yeah. too, you know. So, speaking of kids, do you have any enrollment? You know, minimum ages. Will you accept any student at any age? Yeah. So I typically do age five. Um, that's typically the best age to start because, you know, anything younger, I mean, four, sometimes depending on more about cognition and yeah, they comprehension. Yeah. They have a hard time staying focused and even, sure. you know, you know, every, everybody's different. Everybody, right. you know, I even have some five-year-olds that are still kind of like out there and sure. have a hard time sure. paying attention. But, yeah. um, that's what I try to do. I try to, um, you know, and with them, it's, you know, those students that are real jitter, it's more about, you know, trying to get them to focus and pay attention to me. Yeah. And then from there, we work on practicing, you know, your jujitsu and bettering your skills. Yeah. But, you know, first we need to work on, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my son's six and I've tried to, I've showed him videos of BJJ and stuff and asked him if he'd be interested in it because he likes watching professional wrestling and stuff. And uh, I think I've got him talked up to enough to you just gotta give it do a, it. Give it a try. You just gotta be like, hey and man, I, I we're think going. he would be really good <laughs> at it. He's he's really smart, but it's definitely something I want to get in, get him into. I think it's important to now, character building. Um, you guys don't have a um, like a martial arts school here in Bismarck, do you? No, but Bismarck's not really that far from yeah. town. I mean, it's a it's a little bit of a drive. I'd say about 40, 45 minutes, yeah. depending on what route you take. But yeah, uh, I, yeah, I took uh, six or seven, so not about, too bad. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. No, so, like, we're probably, I'm like, I work in Farmington, and I'm like 15 minutes from my work, so, you know, it just depends where you're driving to in Farmington as well, but I, I got him kind of talked into it, and now I almost got my daughter talked into it, which she just turned eight. <laughs> uh, she's not one for anything physical, typically, at all, but she likes ballerinas, and she's pretty flexible. She likes to, like, show how extremely she can stretch and stuff, but when I was showing it to my son, my daughter was like, hey, I would want to do that too, which was strange to me because she never had an attraction to any, you know, what's perceived at least as a combat sport, you know, element. I have a couple girl dancers that um, practice at my school. You know, they're not there all the time, but, and then, you know, I just had another one reach out to me, want to bring their kid in. So, you know, it's, it's, it's weird, <laughs> I guess, but, you know, it's cool at the same time. And another thing I wanted to get back into asking with, you being involved in some of the striking tournaments, the BJJ ones, uh, like the Eddie Bravo uh, mentioned, did, how, did, how did you fare in that tournament? Is that something that you think you'll do again? Yeah, I, I think so. And um, Because of the competitive piece, you feel like? Yeah, I, 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 still like the, uh, I, I still like the competitive piece, and I'm still going to continue to do like uh, just like jiu-jitsu tournaments and stuff like that, and I think that's where I'm going to focus 
a lot of my competition side on is just the jiu-jitsu side and, uh, you know, even the combat jiu-jitsu and stay away from the uh, MMA fights. Obviously, depending on what tactics you're allowed to use in, in the combat in the tournament specifically, you have to kind of, people don't think about the mental component of that yeah. part as well, not just the trying to anticipate your opponent's next move and always be moving, but that aspect of it as well. Yeah, um, definitely. So there's uh, a lot a of mental questions. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you don't, you don't think about it in the moment, but, you know, you're in there for, you know, nine minutes at the most. And uh, if you're in there for nine minutes, getting punched on for nine minutes, yeah. you can, I mean, it doesn't sure. help if you're not dodging yeah. them either. But, um, yeah, it definitely... I mean, a concussion is your brain yeah. literally bouncing off yeah. your skull in, yeah. in some so. variety or fashion. So, you know, it, it's 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 uh, not something pleasant to experience. Yeah, and there's you know there's it's more of like a uh, recent disease, but I don't know if you ever heard of a CTE. Yeah, absolutely. A lot yeah, of NFL so, players, wrestlers. Yeah, a lot of people are getting that now, and it's you know yeah. just now starting to be aware. And I think it's gonna you know with all these you know. There's been a lot of CTE suits specifically against the NFL, against yeah. the UFC, against There's WWE. Like, there was like, uh, I think it was like six months ago, was, there was uh, someone in the UFC like killed like his whole family or something. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Or killed his girl. Yeah, I mean, the Aaron Hernandez trial, I think that was right. very re- involved in that. And uh, we can get use the pro wrestling example but Chris Benoit that was a lot of speculation with him which who was actually a phenomenal technical wrestler yeah the CTE issue is a real issue for sure Junior Junior Seau he committed suicide famous NFL linebacker for the Chargers and Patriots you know they they saw a lot of CTE damage on his brain map and uh, it you know you talk about affecting the functionings of your brain. What are you? Yeah. What are you gonna? Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think you know, with all there's like so many of, um, you know, different amateur and pro fighters, and uh, I think, and it's just getting bigger and bigger, and you know, people are getting more opportunities left and right, and uh, I just think it's gonna cause more issues. For, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great, and you know, it's a growing sport, and you know, I love. But it needs to be regulated for safety. Yeah, I just, yeah. I feel, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, another twenty years or so, there's going to be a lot of people with brain damage. Oh, there's yeah, without question. And, yeah, and there's, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's called uh, bare knuckle boxing. Yeah. That's starting to get like a big organization too. Like, yeah, there's Ken starting, Shamrock's got his own yeah, promotion. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a blowing up organization, and they're starting to offer fighters more Didn't, money there uh, than Paige, UFC. Paige Van Zant did that after. Yeah, she's camp. still with them. Yeah, that's what I thought. And um, she's in Dan Lambert's uh, camp, I think. Yeah, but that's like, I mean, all they do, they just wrap the hands, and you go right. in there, no gloves or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. And they're, I mean, yeah. these people are like breaking their knuckles. Oh it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so, it's, like, it, it's crazy what you actually. People think of punching all the time. They see it in the movies and and all that stuff. But to actually punch something or someone, you are hurting yourself as well. Yeah, well, that's why things hit, like palm strikes are more beneficial. If you hit somebody hand. wrong with your fist, you can kill them. Like I mean, well, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So yeah. that's oof, that's touchy. That's touchy. You know, I wanted to bring this back around into your school. You know, a lot of parents or people might have apprehension once again to this being. You know, they they think of perhaps their mind immediately goes to MMA incorrectly whenever you think of BJJ. You know, that's how I was introduced to BJJ was through MMA myself. You know, granted, at least it was in the early, 
you know, fascinations of it, if you yeah. will. But, uh, but, you know, parents who may be concerned that might want to enroll their kids should know that this is, you know, we're not focusing on the dangerous side of it. You know, we're, you know, concussions, while they can happen in, to anyone in any situation, quite frankly, it just depends. You just have to hit your head just the right way, regardless. Yeah. But when it comes to BJJ, that's not a concussion heavy practice, too. Yeah. So, like with my kids, for example, it's important to learn the techniques, but it's also important to have fun with them. Because if you're right. not if you're not going to have fun with them, they're not going to keep coming back. Right. So it's important, you know, like sometimes, you know, if they're working hard through class, at the end of class, we'll play a game. Right. You know, and just doing those things like that. And um, well, it's team building, too. Yeah. And like our warm ups, for examples, um, sometimes we'll do serious warm ups. And um, some a, a lot of times like um, we'll do like what's called animal exercises. Mm-hmm. So I'll be like, all right, guys, when I clap. Hop like a frog. So everybody yeah. will hop like a frog, and, you know, it's good, you know, because they're all lubricating their joints and get right. warmed up. It still you know, is a or, mobility or, function. Yeah. yeah, or, like, run like a bear or, you know, run like a scorpion, you know, right. stuff like, you know, just right. silly. And, you know, the kids have fun with it, and, you know, they try to race each other and stuff. So, you know, it keeps them involved. And and we go over a lot of uh, bully scenarios with the kids. So, That's good. So, you know, teaching them to stand up to bullies and, you know, uh, we have this scenario where um, each kid will pick a fruit or a vegetable mm-hmm. and they'll come up to their partner and they'll be like, hey, what are you doing here, pineapple? You know, and the kid will stand up to the bully and, mm-hmm. you know, say like, hey, you know, stop calling me that. I don't appreciate it. Right. And then from there, you know, the bully engages again, mm-hmm. you know, with throwing a punch or, you know, coming for a tackle or right. whatever. And... I try to get in the kids' mind as don't encourage a bully. Like, you know, this isn't a fight. Right. This is self-defense. Right. So, you know, we uh, we have six rules of engagement with the kids. Rule of engagement number one, avoid the fight at all costs. Number right. two, if physically attacked, defend yourself. Right. Number three, if verbally attacked, use the three T's, talk, tell, tackle. Number four, right. never punch or kick the bully. So you don't punch them because then you're just as much trouble as them. Right. So right. you let them punch you, and right. you use that to defend yourself and get control right. of them. Right. Number five, when applying a submission, use minimal force to negotiate. Mm-hmm. So get them in your submission, apply a little bit of pressure, and ask them to stop picking on you and your friends, you know, stuff like that. Right. And uh, number six, uh, never hold a choke for more than 10 seconds. So you don't ask them if they want to go night-night? <laughs> you won't go night night. <laughs> <laughs> well, holding it for ten seconds, though, the thought there is to try and avoid totally incapacitating them, right? Yeah. So again, yeah, keeping you know control of them, you know, until you know a teacher or a parent arrives. So that's again getting back the point that I keep driving here, though. It's a very safe, non-threatening, non-aggressor sense. This is clearly self-defense. Um, this is, you know, not promoting the harming of others, you know, so I think that this, this practice in particular should be more alluring to people. And I just personally have a romanticism with it. I think, again, there's the chess piece, like we talked about, there's other branches and wings of the practice. You can get, you know, a little bit more physical with the striking end of it. I think that BJJ, at least if, if somebody's thinking about starting a martial art, that's, that's the one to try. Yeah. BJJ is like the only proven self-defense system to actually work in real life scenarios. 
So like if you're ever on YouTube and you're ever looking up, um, I guess like people defending themselves against right. um, street Weapons attacks, things. 99% of the time they're going to be training in a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu system. Right. There's a lot of popular viral videos of self-defense videos floating around out there right now, but... Uh, <laughs> Ninja Star. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Had to mention it. Uh, Diamond Dave's Ninja School. So you got any other exciting things on the horizon outside of perhaps opening the school another day a week uh, down in the Frederictown location? Having Eli Knight come down, and if you're not familiar with Eli Knight, he's probably one of the most popular um, jiu-jitsu instructionals on YouTube. Um, you know, he's a black belt under hoist mm-hmm. and, uh, he's going to come down on uh, July 23rd and come down and, you know, I'm flying him all the way from North Carolina. So I'm going to fly him all oh, the way okay. out here. Yeah. And, uh, and don't forget if you sign up now, you get the free gi, the Brady's jujitsu. That's plug. right. There you go. <laughs> Got to plug that in there, man. So, um, yeah, he's coming down and, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, it's crazy how, how far like my school's taking off and, you know, having this opportunity with Eli to, you know, come down and, you know, do this seminar. And I don't know what he's going to teach. He hasn't, he hasn't said anything yet. Um, he has this really cool, um, jujitsu instructional. It's called, um, bladed grappler. Okay. So like how, in, how to, you know, encounter, or like if someone encounters you from the ground with a knife, like if you're, you, you know, if someone's, yeah. you're tied up with someone and they pull out a knife, right. You know, and I've taken that seminar before, and, um, you know, a lot of cool details. Um, I need to take it again and drill it more, but um, I don't know. I guess and we'll... And I think <laughs> in, those, in, in those scenarios, what the idea is to try and gain risk, risk control because mm-hmm. the, obviously the hand is holding the knife. If you control the wrist with the knife, you therefore are not going to get stabbed, as yeah. simple as it sounds. Jared and Eli, they're very good about, you know, talking about weight distribution and, you know, just, you know, the principles of jiu-jitsu itself. So the weight distribution component of it too is interesting and worth talking about. So kind of jujitsu branched off of judo historically in many respects. It was more the focused practice of the close hand-to-hand combat yeah, aspect. Which the samurais used. Yes, absolutely. So that that it's 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 important to understand where it came from. So if you are taking a jujitsu class, the techniques if you in the event that you do have to do a throw, you're using a lot of the same pivoting and weight distribution, leverage uh, concepts. Right. Especially with submissions, leverage can be everything. Right. So. Absolutely. So you, you got to understand the lineage of the practice as well in that respect. Where can people, if they hear this today and they've been titillated by our conversation and want to enroll in your class, <laughs> uh, how can they get a hold of you? Brady? Um, we have a Facebook page at uh, Brady's Jiu Jitsu Club. You can reach out to my um, cell phone number at 573 701 and um, hopefully soon, I'm in the process of having a website created. Very it's not cool. up and running yet, but that takes some time and money. A good chunk of money, I'll say that. And yeah, um, so hopefully that's up and running soon. And, you know, just trying to learn ways how to, you know, grow my business. Yeah, and guys, don't worry. We'll make sure we post everything we can to get you yeah. in touch with Brady if you're interested. So. Be prepared to be socially media spammed by us. <laughs> be tagged because, a uh, lot, Brady. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll be sharing your stuff. We'll be sharing stuff. We'll share links in our stories. We'll share links in our social media posts so you can get with Brady also with his Facebook, Facebook listing, excuse me, as well as his phone number. Uh, I saw an email address uh, yeah. also advertised. What's that? Yeah, so that uh, my email address is uh, bradymkurt at gmail.com. 
And I know that you're both on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yeah, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, do you ever get uh, DM requests for enrollment or anything um, like that? Yeah, I do, you know. Um, and So responsive to DMs. That's the thing. Like, you have to, if you want to run a good business, you have to be good about posting on social media. Because right. there's, sure. there's, yeah, there's so many, like, people out there that use social media. So, right. Um, it's free marketing. Right. Yeah, that's how we yeah. engage our audience. Exactly. So, so, you know, everybody you know, uses it. Yeah, everybody uses it. and You got to play the game, the yeah. social media game. Yeah, absolutely. People can give you a call. They can email you. They can hit you up on social media. You've got, you're out there, man. And we'll be sure to share your contact details. We want to thank you for coming on the show today, man. Oh, no, dude, thanks I for having appreciate me. Appreciate it. And, so much, uh, Randy. We might have you back on the show sometime if you got anything to promote or got any special or anything like that. You open door here. Yeah, always welcome cool. back, dude. We All appreciate right. you coming on. Guys, check out Brady's Jiu Jitsu Club. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Daryl Buchanan, most known me as DJ, Swerving Podcast on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Check in every Sunday for the episodes. We got a new podcast called The Big Hungry and Swerve Movie Podcast. I'll be every Wednesday on the same platform. Be sure to check that out. Also, got a detailing business. Be sure to check that out. Swerve Auto Detail on Facebook, Instagram. My phone number is 573 327 1473. I run rates at 125 for a full inside and out detail. Have a summer package, you can get you five cleans for $225. Like I said, that's Swerve Auto Details on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm your boy, Swerving Podcast, baby. Welcome back from the break, guys. We appreciate you sticking around. Just want to take a few moments to do our shout outs and recaps. Want to thank everyone who's listened to episode 12. If you haven't, get on that shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I apologize I couldn't be there, guys. Yeah. You know, it's all good, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we had talked to Nathan from Secret Shame, the drummer. He's also involved in Harsh Realm as well as Hand of Death. Secret Shame is out playing uh, right now, pounding the pavement. We mentioned their tour. We've advertised their tour on social media. So if you're somewhere on the East Coast, they are also picking up some Midwest states and then eventually traveling out westward. Uh, you guys can either see them in the live show, check out their music, go to Bandcamp. If you like their music, buy merch. They have vinyl, they have tapes, they have uh, t-shirts, they've got lawn sleeves on there. And uh, as we talked with Nathan, we'll be looking forward to some new music in the coming months as well. So check them out, go to their Bandcamp page. So stay tuned for that new album release as well. Next week, speaking of bands, we've got our friend Zach Beery of Enemy Airship. Zach and I have been friends probably since like 2008 or 2009. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in that range. Zach, you know, really it started off strictly as a friendship. I wasn't even aware that he was in a band. He would make mentions of it. And then somebody finally played me some non-returner stuff, which that was the incarnation of the band at the time. And I immediately fell in love, kind of vibes oh, of Radiohead dude. and things Those of that ilk. But phenomenal. They've even went to another level with their sound, with this incarnation of Enemy Airship specifically. Yeah, these two new singles that they dropped are just fantastic. Yeah, so Magnetic Light, we've already played on the show, as we mentioned, uh, about uh, eight weeks ago or so, I would say. And then we've also uh, featured uh, some of the more historical um, music as well on the show already. Also, they've got the new single out that Josh mentioned, new Tanuki suit. Yeah, Tanuki suit. Yeah, yeah Tanuki suit. Yeah, so, isn't that like um, isn't that like an animal in Asia? I think. 
I know to, I know yeah. that like like when Mario gets the tail and flies around, right. I'm pretty sure that's what that's called. Right. We're really looking forward to having Zach on to do a deeper dive on enemy airship and what they have going on. Super pumped. Super They're in the middle pumped. of recording an album, so maybe some more details there, maybe some exclusive tracks, maybe some news about shows. They've been playing in St. Louis. Uh, I know a little bit more frequently at a venue like Heavy Anchor that we've mentioned on the show before. So going to have Zach on to talk about that. Lastly, we want to thank once again, Brady. Yeah, that was so awesome. It was such a good episode. I appreciate Brady coming. Yep. And you can find Brady at Brady's Jiu-Jitsu Club on Instagram. And then you can also get in contact with Brady's Jiu-Jitsu Club, which is located in Fredertown at one. 30 East Main Street. That's 130 East Main Street in Fredericktown, Missouri. Call Brady, 573-701-4220. If you're interested in enrolling questions, uh, or any questions, I should say, if you're interested in enrolling in the classes or any questions that you might have, give him a call. And then uh, Brady also has email. So bradymkurt at gmail.com. Yeah, and we'll post those on all of our social media too, guys, so you'll have those for spelling or whatever you need. So Yeah, definitely. And, and Brady also mentioned their Facebook page as well. He's very reactive on social media, answers DMs in timely fashion. So it's another place that you can hit him up at. Uh, he also posts pictures of his school, what's going on in his school, new certificates, uh, students of the month, as he mentioned. And so we look forward to seeing what all Brady has going on. And hopefully you guys, if you're interested in jujitsu, you give Brady a try. Lastly, as we did last week, we must also thank Mr. Ben Sharp of Cloud Kicker again for lending us his song, You and Yours, from his album, Let Yourself Be Huge, for our show open. Follow Ben on Bandcamp. Yeah, guys, go give them a listen, give them support. You can purchase Ben's music on Bandcamp at Cloud Kicker. And then uh, his Instagram account is at Cloud Kicker Music. If you guys want to check him out on social media. For this week, I'm Barrett at Barry Insane on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Josh, the OGW on Twitter and underscore Joshua Welch on Instagram. And for this week, we are out of time. Until next time, good night and good luck, everybody. Stay safe out there. Hey, this is Josh from ACI Podcast. For show updates and news about the podcast, follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast 22 on Twitter at podcast underscore ATI, on Instagram at the ATI Podcast, on TikTok at ATI Podcast. DMs are always welcome. Have a question for the show? You can always email us at ATI Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Stay safe out there.